Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Good morning. It's time to wake up, people. It's a Monday, and we have plenty to talk about. In this hour on The Daily Tip, we've got MVP Monday coming up in this segment. Who had the best weekend of everybody in the sports landscape? Then at 7.20, it's Game 7 in the Astros and Rangers series. It's Game 6 in Phillies D-backs. The World Series matchup could be decided tonight. Our best plays in the ALCS and NLCS games. Then at 7.40, Niners-Vikings is the best bet, a side, a total, or a prop. We've done the homework, so you don't have to. Everything you need to know before betting on Monday Night Football. Jenks, I'll tell you who's not winning Monday MVP, the University of North Carolina, losing to 1-5 in five University Ooh. of Virginia. Carolina was the 10th-ranked team in the country, only to lose to Virginia, who had won a total of one games, one game singular this season. And you know what? It's something I didn't hate to see because <laughs> you know that I hate the University of North Carolina. I am a proud grad of North Carolina State. These are our bitter, bitter rivals. So this brings a smile to my face. Does it ever feel like a win for you when your rival has a terrible weekend in sports? 
Yes, absolutely. I always root for my rivals to lose. I watched a lot. I watched more UCF Oklahoma than I'm proud to admit, just because UCF was they were leading that game late. They took it down to the wire there, and Oklahoma ended up winning that game as massive favorites, but barely won the game. And so, yeah, I was watching that game out of pure hatred. I was cheering for UCF. I don't ever watch UCF. I know nothing about UCF, but I'm like, let's go, Golden Knights. Absolutely. Yeah. Is uh, Who's the coach at UCF? It's Gus Malzahn, isn't Gus it? Gus Malzahn, Yeah. Man, yep. I know that everybody ages, and this is not a fair thing to say, but man, does he look old. Have you noticed that? <laughs> like, I get that he's, like, gotten older, and I just mm-hmm. feel like the stress of coaching a college football team probably wears on you. Don't you think that he would probably look, like, 10 years younger if he didn't oh, coach yeah. college football? Oh, a 1,000%. This is one of those thankless jobs where – Look, you get paid a lot of money, but also you're always working. It's not like when the game ends that you just suddenly say, well, see you boys tomorrow, and you pack it up and you go home. Oh, no. You're looking at film. Maybe you're going out. You're taking some recruits out. You're entertaining them, and then you got to get ready for practice the next day. It's a thankless job where you're sleeping just a couple hours or a few hours, and you're right back at it. So, yeah, it'll take – and think about it, too – Within all of that, if you're talking about aging or being out of shape or whatever, then A, there's the stress of it all. And then B, you're trying to find a way to sort of stay in shape and stay healthy in the midst of barely getting any sort of sleep and always working. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a completely stressful job. But that's why you get paid a lot of money to do it. Yeah, for sure. I covered Gus Malzahn at Auburn back in the day when he was on top of the college football world. Uh, So it's just something that I noticed. And I get that he's getting older. It's just he's also a very meticulous person. So I feel like if anybody's stressed, it's probably him. He is somebody who I learned this when I was covering them because I didn't play football. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Uh, He had the entire game plan written up for every single offensive play for the whole game. And I thought that you just kind of took what the defense gave you. I knew that, like, there's probably something to planning out the first half. But the amount of detail that he had to put work into, I feel like would take forever. Like, he is somebody who probably stays up all night preparing a game plan. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And also, you have to remember, too, all all the game planning is is opponent-specific, right? And you have injuries that go into that. So... Anything that I've learned or anytime I've been around a head coach or if you followed a head coach and could be college or the pros and you just watch how they change over time. Most of the time, time is not good to them just because of the the stress level. I don't want to call out anyone in particular, but I was watching a game this week and I was like, God, he doesn't look so good. And I was like, yeah, it's midseason. The stress is on. Your job is on the line and it's taking a physical toll on you. Yeah, I wonder if it's ever coming for like Cliff Kingsbury because I feel like he's done a great job of, <laughs> Never. you know, avoiding that look. Uh, maybe not. I think he is somebody who takes his relaxing very seriously. Didn't he take a trip to like Thailand or something? So yep. maybe he's all right in that regard. All right, let's get to Monday MVP and bring in David. Be Monday. Uh, yeah, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is a vampire. He'll never age. So there's that. David, I saw something on TikTok that made me think of you. Apparently girls on TikTok are just now discovering Sam Hartman. They're like, who's been hiding this beautiful man from us? And I'm like, "Mm, 
we've known about him for quite some time. <laughs> Welcome. Because people were, were very mad that he shaved his beard. Yeah. And, you know, it was part of the charm. Do you like the new look, David? Absolutely not. No, he got rid of the beard. <laughs> oh, he looks like, not not to be, l- listen, 70s, 80s stash. No, no, thank you. That went out with yeah, the 80s. I don't like anybody who has a mustache. I think it's the most ridiculous facial hair out there. It makes anyone who has one look creepy except for Raleigh Fingers. Travis Kelsey got Taylor Swift with it, though. Have you seen him bragging about his mustache? Let's not stop with the Taylor Swift stuff. I I don't even want to go there. Her little handshake with Mahomes' wife. No. It's just enough is enough is enough is enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. We can move on, I suppose. Oh, we're going to, but unfortunately that name will be brought up here in a little bit, little teaser for everybody, but let's get to our Monday MVPs nominee. Number one, Bryson Barnes. Second down for Barnes. Pressure coming. He runs Barnes across the 40 and he's inside the 20. Bryson Barnes unbeaten as a starter in college football. 26 yards just on scholarship earlier this year and now utah is in position for a field goal wow barnes led a last second comeback as the utes kicked a game-winning field goal as time expired for their third win over the trojans since lincoln riley took over at usc barnes started his career as a walk-on at utah and took over the for the injured Cam Rising in leading Utah this season. Nominee number two, Bryce Harper. The 0-1. Stott takes off. He's in a rundown. Harper coming home. Throw to the plate. Gets by. A collision. Moreno is down. Ball is loose. Harper is in. It is two to nothing. Swing it. Oh, blast. Deep to right center field. That'll go past Schwarbers. A solo home run for Bryce Harper, and they now lead it 4 nothing. Harper went 2-for-4 with three runs scored and an RBI as Philly beat Arizona in Game 5 of the NLCS. Harper stole home in the first inning and had a solo home run in the sixth, his fifth of the playoffs. Harper is hitting 343 in the playoffs with 12 walks in 11 games. Nominee number three, Mitch Garver, Texas Rangers. Mitch Garver swings at the first one that he sees, sends it the other way and deep on the first pitch of the inning. He hits it out and ties the game. Mitch Garver with an ambush of Valdez, and it's 1-1 just like that. Garver goes three for four in game six, driving in two runs as the Rangers force a game seven with a 9-2 win over the Astros. Garver tied things up with a solo home run in the second and then added an insurance run with an RBI in the top of the eighth. He's hitting 290 with 10 RBIs in the playoffs. And nominee number four, Patrick Mahomes and some Travis Kelsey guy. First and goal. Take the handoff. Pass in the middle. Kelsey's reaching for the goal line. 
he shoved across. Oh, my gosh. Still waiting for the signal. I think it's a touchdown. Now they're up with arms. Touchdown, Kansas City. Mahomes throws for 424 yards and four touchdowns, and Kelsey grabs 12 passes for 179 yards and a score as Kansas City beats the Chargers 31-17. Mahomes threw a TD passes in f- to four different receivers, and Kelsey caught 12 of the 13 passes thrown his way. Kansas City is now 6-1 and one on the season and lead the AFC West by three games. Jenks, who is your mm. Monday MVP? Well, I don't know if I've ever done this before, but I am going off of a board here, which I never do. I usually stick to the script. I am going to give it to someone I'm not even a big fan of, and that is Bill Belichick, because the man recorded his 300th regular season victory in the NFL. And you're saying, oh, that's so boring. Do you know how many times that's been done in the NFL? Twice in history. Don Shula and Papa Bear Hallis, two Hall of Famers. So this is a guy who has been much maligned this season. I get it. But ultimately, we're talking about one of the greatest head coaches in NFL history, whether you believe Brady was a more significant part of that or not. 300 wins in the regular season in the National Football League. It is remarkable. He's waited a long time to get there. He got it with 12 seconds to play against the Bills. I am giving it to Bill Belichick. Yeah, finally some credit for Bill Belichick in a year where it feels like every other conversation is about him being on the hot seat. What a huge win for the Patriots. But for me, the MVP of the weekend, and this is not something that I say with delight, has to be the sports books. Man, did they clean up in the NFL this weekend. We are looking at seven bets, the seven games that had over 70% of the action on one side, all seven of them losers. The books made big money, probably going to build another hotel out in the desert just because of this weekend in the NFL. So I don't have any delight in saying this, but it was a weekend to forget for the public and a weekend to remember for the sports books. But I do want to give a small honorable mention to the quarterback for Utah, Bryson Barnes, a guy that didn't even have a scholarship at the start of the season, taking down an opposing quarterback who is rumored to be demanding for a stake in the NFL team that he is going to be drafted on. Like, imagine the, you know, the contrast of those two guys, this guy demanding, you know, I need to be a part owner of any team I'm drafted on. This guy's like, hey, can you just pay for my books? And then guess is the quarterback that won in this game. It was Bryson Barnes. So I do want to tip my cap to Bryson Barnes as well. But MVP of the weekend, unfortunately, would be the sports books. You want to tip your cap to him? I'm going to give him my MVP. The kid is a pig farmer. A pig farmer went out there and beat the number one over, projected number one overall quarterback in all of college football and did it with grit and determination because there was a run before the, the big run where he absolutely annihilated one of the safeties for USC to get a first down or get close to a first down. This kid has... Just true grit and determination. Gotta love it. Bryson Barnes, absolutely my MVP for this Monday. 
Yeah, there were some good Ooh, ones. I like it. And I think you could probably make a case that we probably need to mention somebody from the NLCS or ALCS. But I think in college football, regular season games kind of have that feel to them. Like, even though they're not postseason games, each game matters so much that I do think these are highly important games for any team that has any postseason hopes of making the college football playoff. Kind of went the other way for USC as they're pretty much out of it now. Jenks, don't you think they're out of it now? They have to be, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, they're done. They're done, Ski. It's over. Done. Now Lincoln can go back to competing with Cliff Kingsbury as who's the most handsome college football coach or former college football coach. That's, that's it for USC. They just got to stop Caleb Williams from pouting. Oh, Lincoln Riley's not in that competition of most attractive head coaches. Like Lincoln Riley's young, but that doesn't make him attractive. Uh, I think Cliff more. has like a chokehold of that. No. Oh uh, yeah. That's, well, yeah. Well, you like ranking everyone in tears. I would say Cliff Kingsbury is definitely tier one. I don't know. I'm just throwing out guys that have similar, you know, the short hair, maybe a little bit of a five o'clock shadow. They run similar offenses. So guys that are similar in theory, but yes, I would agree with you. Cliffy is definitely the more handsome guy. Cliffy. Well, he just has more <laughs> swag too. I feel like he dresses yes. better because you see old pictures of him when he used to play quarterback. I don't think he was that attractive. He is somebody who has made his attractiveness go up by the way he dresses and the way he carries himself. If only he could win some games with the Arizona Cardinals. All right, up next, we switch gears to baseball. We're talking our favorite plays for the ALCS and the NLCS. It's time to get creative in some of these elimination games. Next on Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. And we're back. Thanks for tuning in on this Monday edition of the Daily Tip. In just a few minutes, we'll lay out the Game 6 of the NLCS between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks and Game 7 between the Rangers and the Astros. Jenks, you are from the great state of Texas. Did you grow up liking either the Rangers or the Astros? I grew up watching and following the Texas Rangers because I'm from... God, Breckenridge, Texas, which is, I mean, way, not the western part of Texas, but it's still considered West Texas because Texas is so huge. So to get to Arlington was, how long did it take us? I don't know, three hours probably. So but we would go to Rangers games from time to time back in the old days when they played at Arlington Stadium. So I remember growing up with Buddy Bell and Steve Bouchelle and Nolan Ryan, when he pitched for the Rangers, and a lot of those guys, Charlie Huff was another guy. So I never got hardcore into the Rangers, but I was definitely a Rangers fan. Do you think there's anything to the fact that, well, it's not a fact, it is an opinion, that some mm -hmm. of these fans may be a little fair weather? Because this is my experience with Astros fans. My husband mm -hmm. played for the Astros back uh, when they were terrible, when they were losing 100 games a season. And I get it. If a team's losing 100 games a season, you're probably not going to show up. But it's just wild to me to see all of these fans who are so rabid for the Astros now. And I'm thinking, where were these fans back then? 
Do you think that's a fair criticism? Or do you think when a team loses 100 games, they don't deserve fans in the stands? Well, I, I think this is, I think it's fairly common. Now, maybe it's more common in some cities than others, but you know how it is. People don't want to watch a loser. And they, it takes a very, this is why I appreciate hardcore fans who will stick with their teams no matter what, because it is hard to do. And I'll use the commanders as a reference point because there was a time when back when they were the Redskins that people forget the commanders franchise when they were the Redskins. This was one of the preeminent franchises, not just in the NFL, but in sports in the nineties, they had racked up three Super Bowls. They had a legendary head coach in Joe Gibbs. They had RFK Stadium. They had a waiting list for a year. You couldn't get season tickets to the game because the waiting list was so long. Well, fast forward 20-some-odd years, and you have an owner who all of a sudden doesn't seem to care about the fans, who doesn't know anything about football, who by most accounts, is a bad person, and you have losing season after losing season. Then you move to a new stadium, which was just thrown up, which isn't fan-friendly, and all of a sudden, you go from having this grandiose, incredible franchise team that you follow, and for 20-plus years, all you experience is losing, losing, losing on the field and off the field with all these controversies. So, how much can one fan take? It, it, it's one thing to say, oh, we've had a few years. We've had a decade. Well, you get into like two plus decades of being bad. And I know that's not describing the Astros, but I always wonder how much can one fan take before you need to get some dubs? Well, I think that's a little different too, because who wants to root for a Dan Snyder led team? Like there are way more layers, I think, to that than like the Astros. Because at the time, the Astros didn't have any connotations that were, I, I think most teams don't really have any connotations that yeah. are similar. I think the only, um, you know, maybe compatible team right now is probably the Browns. Like, do you think Browns fans love rooting for Deshaun Watson? Like, probably not. So if the Browns are bad this year, I think it's going to be real yeah. hard for them to retain fans, even though if there's any fan base that has been through it all, it's probably the Cleveland yeah. Browns. Man, talk about a tough team to be a fan of. But we'll see because these Astros home games, there have been a ton of fans. And even the road games because this is an interstate rivalry where it's not yeah. that far from Houston. So it's pretty well divided between the Astros and the Rangers. Although both of these teams – very much hate each other. We have seen some animosity between the two <laughs> squads. Uh, so, Jinx, let's get into these games, and let's start off. Uh, let's go to game six between the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. We have Merrill Kelly throwing for the Diamondbacks. Aaron Nola goes for the Phils. Total of eight runs here, and usually the Phillies at home have been the play. We've already seen this pitching matchup before. Phillies won that game pretty mm -hmm. convincingly. Merrill Kelly gave up four runs, I believe, and Aaron Nola was very dominant. So do you think the Phillies are the right side again, or are you unwilling to bet on a team that has Craig Kimbrell as their setup guy? Oh, well, God. Here's what I would do. I, I do think the Phillies won this game, and this has gone from minus 175 to minus 185. I don't mind the Phillies on the money line. I don't really want to pay you that juice. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go first five Phillies run line at minus 120. If you like Phillies full game run line at plus 115, I don't mind that either. But 
The last time we saw Merrill Kelly was in this exact same spot in game two. Gave up four runs, five and two-thirds innings. And if you look back at his splits during the regular season, well, he was a worse pitcher on the road. Then you look at what Aaron Nola has done, not just in the playoffs, but going back to the regular season. He's allowed two runs or less in each of his last five starts. That includes shutting out Arizona back in game two, six innings to shut out baseball, struck out seven. And honestly, some of this to me is is kind of a gut play in that Philly has all the momentum. They're headed back home. I can just see them jumping on Kelly early on, jumping on him enough to cover this half run in the first five with that home crowd and as amped up as they're going to be to get back to the World Series. It's only minus 120, so Philly's first five run line is what I'm thinking about. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yeah, and that way you don't have to hold your nose when Craig Kimbrell maybe enters exactly. this game. So you only play the first five innings. I think that's the only way to play the Phillies here. Also, I think the starting pitcher matchup is what you are supremely targeting here. Plus, the Phillies at home have been good at jumping yeah. out too early lead. So I think that's the play. Uh, a couple other plays I looked at last night. This line was Merrill Kelly uh, at 15 and a half outs. I hit the under. It was heavily juiced at minus 150. But since, it has flipped. Because I do think there's going to be an extremely short leash on Merrill Kelly, who struggled against the Phillies last time. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking at an elimination game. If the Diamondbacks don't win this game... Their season is over. If my math stands correct, right? You know, this is elimination game. They got to win this one. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really short leash for Mel Merrill Kelly. I think even at plus money, you can look at Merrill Kelly's uh, outs prop here at 14 and a half, which obviously it is a big difference because now it's not at a round number at five innings. Uh, but still, I would take the under for plus 128. I think that is a solid play. I think the Phillies bats chase him from this game early on the other play I was looking at Kyle Schwarber to record a hit is only minus 130 maybe you are leaving some money on the table because Kyle Schwarber it feels like if he's going to get a hit it's going to be a home run but last mm -hmm. time around he had two home runs against Merrill Kelly clearly he sees his stuff pretty well and also Kyle Schwarber always red hot hot in the championship series that's been the case so far for kyle shorber against the arizona Diamondbacks. so i like those two plays jenks do you think the phillies get it done tonight yeah i do they're gonna close things out doesn't it just doesn't sometimes it just feel like a team is is ready to move on and ready to close things out they had that one here's the thing in they had a couple spots in Arizona where it, I, I said this before, it took everything Arizona had to sort of beat the Phillies. And I feel like now, like, this is just their time. You know, they are the better team. I think it's clear to everyone. And that's why I see even people I respect, respected betters coming in on Philadelphia at minus 185. And, you know, maybe you want to parlay that with something else, or maybe you don't want to do that. A buck 85 is a lot in baseball, but I do get it. This is just the better team. They've been awesome at home virtually untouchable. So I, I would be stunned if the Diamondbacks found a way to win this game tonight. I don't know. I would keep Craig, Craig Kimball out of the game. That's what I would do for uh. sure because I don't want to see that again. All right? I don't want to see that ever again. A couple times we've seen that, and he has let the Diamondbacks get right back in this thing. But, yes, I do think Philly closes it out.
I think so as well, uh, especially at home. This feels like a Phillies series. Uh, next up, let's go to the Astros and the Rangers. This is a game seven. So the winner mm-hmm. takes all. We will know who's going to the World Series after tonight between the Rangers and the Astros. Astros minus 125 favorites on the uh, at home here. Rangers plus 105, total of nine and a half runs. We get the same pitching matchup that we've already seen before in this series. Max Scherzer facing Christian Javier. The Astros won that game pretty easily and tagged Max Scherzer for, I believe, five earned runs before chasing him from this game. Meanwhile, Christian Javier in the postseason this year, mm-hmm. 2-0 with a 1-6-9 ERA. Nice. So, Jenks, do you think this game goes similarly to the last matchup we had with these two starting pitchers? Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go Astros first five money line. You know I love my first five bets here, but I, I just believe in Christian Javier much more so than I believe in Max Scherzer. And also, you could make the case, okay, Max isn't Max, and he got shoved last time out. Maybe he's 100%, maybe he's not. But just look at what Christian Javier has done in his career in the postseason and in this postseason. In his career, Christian Javier is 6-1 and one with a 2.08 ERA in the playoffs. That's unbelievable. Last time out against the Rangers in this same spot, gave up two earned runs in five and two-thirds innings, struck out three. And could Max come out, ball out, and be the pitcher that he's always been? Absolutely. But even if he does pitch well, Christian Javier has just been better across the board. He loves the postseason. We've seen nothing different this time around. And maybe your sabotage factor is that the Astros are playing on the road because it's been well-documented on this show that they are just an under 500 team at home for some reason. But ultimately, I'm going to trust the team that has been here time and time and time again and a pitcher who has been not untouchable, but pretty damn close in his postseason career. So I'll go Astros first five at minus 130. Yeah, I think this is a straight fate of Max Scherzer. Like, what have we seen from him to want to trust him here? I know he has a long history of being a good pitcher in his career, but clearly Mm -hmm. the Astros' bats uh, have his number, as we saw last game. I think there's a way to kind of have a soft fate of Max Scherzer here, maybe taking the under on his outs recorded. It's set at 13.5, which is pretty low, but still, we need, or if you're the Rangers, this is an elimination game. You can't lose this one. So if Max Scherzer is getting touched up early and often, I think he gets the real quick hook here. Also, you can take a look at his earned runs prop. It is set at one and a half, which seems pretty low for going against this Astros lineup that's very good and also has long ball potential. Because here's the thing. This one is back at home uh, for the Astros, and they have that short porch and left. It feels like uh, any of these players could get home runs off of Max Scherzer. So over one and a half earned runs for Max Scherzer. I'm going to take the under on his outs prop. And also, I like that Astros first five play as well. Although the Rangers bullpen is not like entirely frightening to me. I think maybe the Astros have the upper hand. It's just both Mm -hmm. these offenses are so good. So that leads me to my next question. Looking at a total of nine runs, do you like an over here? Nine makes me a little uh, nervous, but still, it's been a hit parade between both of these teams. I I do, but let me ask you this because it's a game seven. You know how it is, all hands on deck. And it, and it tends to be mm-hmm. like that even in the earlier games, but especially in a game seven. And I wonder if either of these guys, either of these managers immediately says, nope, 
you're out. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk leaving you in and out longer when everything is on the line here. So that's the only thing that makes me nervous about betting on over in a game like this is because as soon as someone gets into trouble, they're going to be out of that game because it's going to it's going to take everyone to win this game if necessary. So that's the only thing that worries me about an over, but I, I can't necessarily talk you off of it because you're right. Both of these teams have been smashing the baseball. Yeah, usually elimination game unders are certainly the play, but if there are ever, ever two teams that kind of defy that logic, it's been both of these because most of these games have been absolute slugfests. Even in the later innings, uh, we see guys come up there and rip grand slams uh, with the home run potential on both sides of the ball for both the Rangers and the Astros. If you are looking at hit props or any player props, it feels like you can't go wrong with Jose Altuve. If you look at his total bases, mm-hmm. I would believe it's over one and a half. Maybe it's plus money, but still, the leadoff guy for the Astros is absolute nails in the postseason. I was talking about this with my husband. If you were mm-hmm. to start a draft of hitters in the postseason right now, he has to be like a top five pick, right? If you want to trust yes. somebody to have like one at bat to at least get on base, Jose Altuve, man. He's got to be one of the best hitters in all of baseball. No, you just have to. And he's just, he's one of those guys who is truly unflappable. There's some guys when Mm -hmm. you say, man, if I need a hit, if I need someone to perform in this spot, who would you go with? And Altuve is one of those guys. I think if you're, if you're looking in the national league, then maybe Bryce Harper's that guy just because man, time and time again, he just come through in the clutch. But, but I agree with you 100%. How many times have we seen Jose Altuve deliver when he needs to deliver? Yeah. And especially for the people saying, Oh, well, he's only good. Cause he knew what pitches were coming. Uh, he still continues to rake. He did it in the minor leagues. Yes. He did it in the big leagues and he continues to do it. So maybe that's not a great narrative to ride from here on out. Speaking of narratives, Kirk Cousins in prime time. Is he somebody you should be fading against the Niners? Monday Night Football. Our handicaps are next on The Daily Tip. Right back on The Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to The Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM, with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Hour two, off and rolling. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chelsea Messenger. He's Michael Jenkins. In just a few minutes, we'll give our plays for Monday Night Football. Is it a side? Is it total? Is it a player prop? We'll fill you in. Uh, Jenks, if you could have one brand uh, sponsor you, what do you think that brand would be? What brand would sponsor me? I don't know. Some sort of bourbon or something, probably. That's that's what I'd go with. I don't know. I'd have to think about my favorite bourbon. You know, I'll just throw it out like, oh, that's a good one too, Matt. I would either be sponsored by McDonald's because I love the McRib and I'm passionate about the McRib. Or maybe like Woodford or some sort of just solid bourbon. I don't know. I feel like that's right in my wheelhouse. A fast food sandwich from McDonald's or some booze. (laughs) I think that's perfectly in line. What about you? I'm not sure I was thinking about this. Because so much of like marketing and brand management is about awareness. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I have it. 
Like, I feel like I am so different in so many regards, like maybe like a healthy smoothie place. I don't know. Uh, I do. I wear a lot of Lululemon, but like, I don't think I'm like cool enough to maybe represent them. But the reason I bring this up is because mm -hmm. it feels like we have the perfect partnership in the NFL between Kirk Cousins and Coles. Has there ever been a better brand deal with somebody who is extremely self-aware that he dresses like a dad? Have you seen some of these fits sponsored by Kohl's? Like they look right up his alley. And I tip my I, hat to him. <laughs> I actually have not seen these. This does not shock me at all. It's actually perfect. Perfect guy. Right. I will give Kirk Cousins credit enough. You know, and you, you mentioned it, which is at least he's self-aware enough to know. You know, that's the worst. People just have no self-awareness at all and they'll dress a certain way or they'll act a certain way and they just don't see why what they're doing or what they're wearing is ridiculous. But I think this is chef's kiss. Exactly. Like if somebody's going to embrace the public image that they have, it's Kirk Cousins looking like a dad. Yeah. They even said as much. Uh, they entitled it, I think they're like fall dad approved wear. And then they showed him in this outfit and it's mm. like, a button down that's like checkered or like, you know, the plaid button down, some khaki shorts and some white tennis shoes. I was like, yeah, that's a great dad look and nobody better than Kirk Cousins because this is all we see from most of the NFL quarterbacks is like these swag yes. drippy looks like last night, Jalen Hurts had on these like zip pants that I feel like only he could pull off because uh, mm -hmm. they zip at the short they zip it like the knee and then they zip at the very bottom. Like I remember having a pair of these pants when I was like in fifth grade, cause it was like so cool. Huh. Cause you could have shorts, you could have yeah. capris and you could have pants. But if anybody can pull this off in a fashion forward sense, it's Jalen Hurts. And we have several quarterbacks kind of like that. Like Joe Burrow has worn some stuff that looks like questionable for me, but Joe Burrow can pull off just about anything. Well, yeah, because he's Joe Burrow, because he's handsome guy. So I feel like if you have swag and you're a good-looking young guy, then you can pull off a lot of things that the general public could not pull off. Like, I'll see someone, like Catherine will do this from time to time, and she'll be like, oh, my God, you'd look great in that. I'm like, mm, no, it's because Paul Rudd looks great in that, or Joe Burrow looks great in that, or just pick whomever celebrity you want to choose. But there's a different, if, if it's, if it's classic, okay, one thing. But if it's a little bit edgy, then if you're in the spotlight or a good-looking person, then you get – I think you get the benefit of the doubt. Like you're being right there on the cusp of, of what is fashion forward. If I did it, they'd be like, dude, what are you wearing? I like how you mentioned Paul Rudd. I didn't imagine him as like a fashion risk-taker. Are you just saying just because he's good-looking? I Oh, Catherine loves Paul Rudd. That's like her celebrity crush. That's oh. why I said that. She was like, you kind of look like, I go, no, I don't. I go, don't do that, honey. Don't. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Everyone has celebrity crushes. It's okay. It's, it's fine. That's what popped into my head because we actually kind of had this conversation over the weekend. And so that's why that popped into my head because I was thinking of the lovely Catherine because that's her go-to celebrity. I was just thinking, I don't think of him when I think of like fashion wrist. Does he wear like out there stuff or does he just wear really nice suits? I think he just wears nice suits. I don't really know his fashion style. I guess my broader point is if you're someone who is attractive and in the limelight, you can get mm -hmm. away with more. You know, you just will, especially because it's almost about narrative and perception where let's say you're in Hollywood or whatever, or let's say you're in the NFL because we see basketball players, football players do this all the time. You're like, whoa, 
these guys are they have a lot of money. They're in the spotlight. Maybe maybe this is cool. It has to be cool. There, you know what I mean? Like you assume because they're on a different level. Like me, I'm like, hmm. I wonder if Old Navy's having a sale. What is J. Crew up to? You know. So these guys are not like shopping online like me. So when they come out with some sort of suit or some sort of you know high end designer fit. I'm like, well, I mean, if, if anybody knows, it would be these guys. I would know. I'm not on that level. So you you give them the benefit of the doubt. Also, it's perfectly tailored. I think that's the detail that most people yes. don't realize is that these guys are probably not wearing suits <laughs> off the rack. They are getting them specifically tailored to their body. And I will give a little shout out to Devontae yes. Smith. He's like somebody who always has his suits perfectly tailored to a T. Uh, so let's oh. get into this game and we'll see. Did you have something to say there about the tailoring? Oh, I issue? was just going to say very quickly, you are, you could not be more right because back in the day when I had to wear a suit all the time and I would, people, people say to me, my God, your suits, like, where do you get all these nice suits? And these were not amazing suits. The difference was I would buy something from Macy's that was on sale at a very, very reasonable price and then spend a little extra money to get them tailored. And you're a thousand percent right. You get them tailored and it just looks different and it looks more expensive, even though it's really not. So that's, that's, that's a perfect thing to mention. Yeah. Now I need to go to the tailor, even though girls clothes, like ah. most of them are so tight that like they have stretch in them. So like, it doesn't really matter, but when it comes to structured pieces, it absolutely makes all of the difference. All right, so what bets are tailor-made for making uh. in Monday Night Football between the Vikings and the Niners? So we're looking at the spread in this one. It is pretty sizable for the Niners, length seven on the road here, a total of 43 points. Now, this line was six and a half. Uh, we've seen some money come in on the 49ers, and for good reason. They are a very good team, but you should keep your eyes on the injury report for the Niners. We're not sure if Christian McCaffrey is going to play. It looks like uh, the signs are positive that maybe he plays in this one, but it's not for sure. Uh, the Niners will be without Trent Williams, one of their best offensive linemen and one of the best offensive linemen in the league, and also without Debo Samuel. So, Jenks, is that enough for you to want to make a play on the Vikings here? No. Oh. I don't want to bet on the Vikings. Kirk Cousins. I'll bet on Kirk Cousins wearing some khakis over the weekend. That's what I'll bet on. I don't know. I, I think I, I, I wouldn't lean Niners here, but I don't want to lay seven. I, I like the under more than I like than I like a side here. I will say this. If you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers, maybe you find a way to bet Kirk Cousins or bet against him. Like to get Kirk Cousins to throw a pick, it's minus 125. I don't mind that. Kirk Cousins, just if you're looking at straight up football, he has lost, what, 11 of his last 12 games or thrown an interception in 11 of his last 12 games on Monday Night Football? Seriously. No, it's 12 of 13. My bad. It's even worse than I anticipated. So I think maybe you find a way to fade him here. But ultimately, I know the Niners will not be at full strength. I understand Debo's not going to play. Christian McCaffrey should play or at least play a little bit. Might be limited. But I just wonder if you're the Niners, or if you're the Vikings, I should say, how are you going to move the football? Because this Niners defense is the best in football. The Vikings don't have Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is not good in primetime. How are you going to move the football if you're Minnesota against this Niners defense? I don't think the Niners have to be explosive on offense to cover this number. Again, I'm not going to bet it, but this feels like one of those games where, all right, fine. The Niners are on the road. 
they aren't lighting up the scoreboard, but they don't have to. They could win 20 to 10 and cover this number. I just don't know how the Vikings are going to move it against San Francisco. And also, even in the backfield, Alexander Madison has not exactly, he's been okay, but he hasn't quite been the boon that they thought they were going to get when they let Dalvin Cook go. So I think the Niners slowly grind this thing out all the way in the fourth quarter. I think this is a game where I don't want to sweat the spread because even like you mm-hmm. said, if it was a 20 to 10 game, you would be sweating that spread all night long. Yeah. So I just don't really want to do it. Even though if I were to pick a side, I think I would go with Vikings plus seven. They've covered against some of the best teams in football against the Chiefs and the Eagles. And plus you're getting a touchdown uh, on a game where I think points are going to be at a premium. But I don't want to put my hard-earned money on it. I think there are other ways to play this game. There is one trend that's been pretty dominant for the 49ers. They've been one of the best teams at scoring in the first quarter and the first half. If you look at first quarter numbers, there is a huge discrepancy between San Francisco and Minnesota. The Niners averaging 6.8 points per game in the first quarter alone is the third best mark, or excuse me, fourth best mark in the entire NFL Then you look at Minnesota, who's averaging a cool one point per game in the first quarter. That's good for 30th in the NFL. So maybe you bank on that trend here, even though I don't really love it kind of going on the road. Usually this seems like a trend you would want to play at home. But San Francisco has been good on the road as well, averaging eight points per game in the first quarter away from home. So maybe that's the trend you ride. You can get the Niners minus a half for minus 118. Uh, in the first quarter, or if you want a little bit more wiggle room, you can go in the first half, but that number's three and a half. I don't love that number, so maybe I will stick with the first quarter. So, Jenks, are there any other plays that you think people should know about in this Niners and Vikings game? I am going to play Brandon Ayuk over four and a half receptions. It's at minus 140. It continues to get more expensive, and I just believe that with Debo Samuel out, then Ayuk is going to get more targets. I mean, by naturally, he should. Right now, he's only hit this total in two or five games this season. But, of course, that's with Debo in the lineup. He had four receptions each last week against the Browns, two weeks against the Cowboys. But those defenses are two of, two of the top ten defenses in the National Football League. The Vikings certainly don't qualify as that. They're a very mediocre defense. So, I think when Brock Purdy looks to drop back, he's going to look for Kittle, obviously. But Brandon Ayuk is going to take the place as the primary guy instead of Debo Samuel. So I'm going to go over five and a half at minus 140. Yeah, I like Brandon Ayuk as well. George Kittle is one of those guys that it feels like he's like boom or bust. He's either going to have like three touchdowns Mm -hmm. or like two receptions. So I think uh, Brandon Ayuk is the more solid of those two plays. I'll be taking his yardage over 70 and a half. All those targets from Debo Samuel, they got to go somewhere. So, all right, on the other end, it's hour three of the Daily Tip. We talk what we learned from week uh, seven in the NFL. For more, listen to The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.